Chapter 2, World War II. The war years were still the early years for me, but I feel like telling a little more about my memories during the war. I was six years old when the war ended, but I remember quite a bit about the war years during that time, at least from the standpoint of a little boy. Since Vallejo was just across the small channel of the bay from our island, there were always a lot of sailors in town. There was a main street in downtown Vallejo called Georgia Street. In the end of this street that was closest to the Mare Island Channel was aptly called Lower Georgia. During the war, Lower Georgia evolved into the wild part of town with lots of bars, dance halls, and things like that. We didn't go down there much. It seemed like there was always fighting and brawls going on. It definitely had a reputation. Reputation lingered on. Even after the war, during my teen years, Lower Georgia was still a rough place to be. Other than Lower Georgia, the rest of downtown Vallejo was typical of other towns during that time in history. Downtown was the only real place to go, and it was always hopping. There were no malls or shopping centers in those days. There was just downtown. There were also no McDonald's, Burger Kings, or any franchises for that matter. If you wanted to go shopping or go to a movie, you went downtown. And normally you would catch the bus. The fare was 10 cents and you could stay on the bus as long as you wanted. But when you did get off, it would cost another 10 cents to get back on. I remember there were six different movie theaters downtown. And three more not far from town. Every movie theater showed different movies, but they all had double features, along with a newsreel and a cartoon. It cost 25 cents for the movie. Another 25 cents bought all the popcorn, soda, and candy you needed for a double feature. And every Saturday morning there was a matinee just for the kids. We used to line up clear around the block early in the morning to get into the Hanlon Theater. It was the best movie theater in town. They would generally have a raffle or a drawing before the movie started. The giveaway prizes were coloring books, board games, and things like that. I would always anxiously check my ticket, hoping to be a winner. But much to my dismay, I never won a thing. When the movie started, the first thing that appeared on the screen was a couple of cartoons. And then the newsreel, and usually a western movie with Tom Mix, Hopalong Cassidy, or Roy Rogers and then another feature of some kind. The whole thing lasted about four hours. I can still remember the experience of leaving the theater after those four hours and walking outside into the blinding light of a bright noonday sun. Another thing I remember about downtown was the five and ten cent store. Everything in the store was either a nickel or a dime. It was really a cool place. And it was big. It had tons of neat stuff. It was a lot like the dollar stores today, but much bigger and much better. They also had a soda fountain in the 5 and 10 cent store where you could get a soda or a root beer float for a dime. In the early days of the war, Mare Island was well prepared for an attack from the Japanese. The government did not want another Pearl Harbor to happen on the west coast. So we had air raid drills and more air raid drills. 
with sirens and blackouts. During these blackouts, our electricity would be turned off. We were instructed to pull down our shades before lighting any candles or using flashlights. Civil wardens were assigned in every neighborhood to make sure there were no violations. Searchlights were strategically placed all over Mare Island and Vallejo, and they were capable of lighting up the sky if there was a night attack. The Navy on Mare Island also put up dozens of helium blimps several hundred feet up into the sky. A strong, thin cable tethered each of the blimps. The idea was that if fighter planes or dive bombers came in for an attack, these cables would cut into the planes and damage them enough to make them crash. And, of course, there were plenty of anti-aircraft guns all over Mare Island. These guns were constantly manned, and each was surrounded by stacks and stacks of sandbags. My father and mother tried very hard to make things normal for us during those war years. I remember every night my dad would come home from work, sit on the front porch, and listen to the radio to see how the war was going, of course. But he liked listening to other things, too. His favorite commentator was Gabriel Heater. Gabriel Heater in the 40s was to my dad the same as Paul Harvey was to me in the 70s. My father also liked to listen to the Friday night boxing fights from Madison Square Garden. Joe Lewis was a heavyweight champion of the world at that time. As for me, I liked to listen to the radio too. Among my favorite shows on the radio were Amos and Andy, Ozzie and Harriet, Figure McGee and Molly, The Shadow, The Buster Brown Show, The Fat Man, Suspense, Jack Benny, The Life of Riley, Oh, man, I had a lot of favorites, and I used to love to lay in front of the radio and listen to those stories. I might mention that all the entertainment in those days, both on the radio and in the movies, was G-rated, which meant that little children could watch or listen to anything the adults did, if they so desired. I think that's pretty neat, don't you? There was really some good stuff back in those days. I'm going to play a little sketch for you now from the 40s. This was performed by one of my favorite comedy teams, Abbott and Costello. I hope you enjoyed as much as I did when I was just a boy. Now look, uh, what do you want? Now look, I mean, after all, if I'm the head of the sport department, I gotta know the baseball players' names. Oh. I mean, and I gotta know the teams that's playing everything well, else. Well, naturally, I'll... one team that's playing here this week, do you know the guys' names? Oh, sure. Well, then you go ahead and tell me some of their names. Well, I'll introduce you to the boys. You know, strange it may seem, they give these ball players nowadays very peculiar names. Give me funny names. Nicknames, pet names like Dizzy Dean and Daffy. Daffy Dean. I'm their cousin. Who are you? Goofy. Goofy, huh? <laughs> well, let's see. We have on the bags, we have who's on first, what's on second. I don't know who's on third. That's what I want to find out. I, I say who's on first, what's on second. I don't know who's on third. Are you the fellow that knows all the players? I certainly. Well, then who's on first? Yes. I mean, the fellow's name. Who? The guy on first. Who? The first baseman. Who? The guy playing first. Who is on first? Now, what are you asking me for? I'm not asking you. I'm telling you who is on first. I'm asking you who's on first. That's the man's name. That's whose name? Yes. Well, go ahead and tell me. Who? The guy on first. Who? The first baseman. Who is on first? Have you got a contract with the first baseman? Absolutely. Who signed the contract? Well, naturally. <laughs> it's no good unless he signs it. It's no good unless who signs it? No. So who signed it? Absolutely. <laughs> When you pay off the first baseman every month, who gets the money? Every dollar. 
why not? The, man, the man's entitled to it. Who is? Yes. So who gets it? Absolutely. Sometimes his wife comes down and collects it. Whose wife? Yes. All I'm trying to find out is what's the guy's name on first base? Oh, no, wait a minute. Don't twitch him. Don't twitch him around. What is on second base? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who is on first? I don't know. He's on third. Now, we're not talking about <laughs> third base. You mentioned his name. If I mentioned a third baseman's name, who did I say is playing third? No, who's playing first? Never mind first. I want to know what's the guy's name on third. No, what's on second? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? I don't know. He's on third. There I go. Well, I can't change that name. Will you please stay on third base and don't go off it? What is it you Now, want? who's playing third base? Now, why do you insist on putting who on third base? Now, who am I putting over there? Yes, but we don't want him there. What's the guy's name belongs on no, third? What belongs on second? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? I don't know. Third, third base. base. <laughs> you got an outfield? Oh, yes, yes. The left fielder's name. Why? I don't know. I just thought I'd ask you. <laughs> well, I just thought I'd tell you. All right, but tell me who's playing left field. Who is playing Stay first? out of the infield! What's on second? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who is on first? I don't know. Third, Third base. <laughs> and the left fielder's name? Why? Because. Oh, he's center field. Look, you got a pitcher on a team? Now, wouldn't this be a fine team without a pitcher? The pitcher's name? Tomorrow. You don't want to tell me the date? I'm telling you, man. Then go ahead. Tomorrow. What time? What time what? What time tomorrow are you going to tell me who's pitching? Now, listen, who is not pitching? I'll who break is... your arm, you say, who's on first? Go ahead, have it your arm. I want to know what's the pitcher's name. What's on second? I don't know. Third base. <laughs> you got a catcher? Well, absolutely. The catcher's name? Today. Today. And tomorrow's pitching. Now you've got it. Well, we got us a couple of days on the well, team. I can't help that. You know, I'm a catcher, too. I know that. Now I'll get behind a plate, do some fancy catching. Tomorrow's pitching on my team, and the heavy hitter gets up. Yes. Tomorrow throws the ball, the guy up puts the ball. When he puts the ball, me being a good catcher, I want to throw the guy out of first base, so I pick up the ball and throw it to who? Now, that's the first thing you've said right. I don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, that's all you have to do. Is to throw the ball at first base. Yes. Now, who's got it? Naturally. <laughs> Somebody's got to catch it. Now, who caught it? Naturally. <laughs> who caught it? Naturally. Who? Naturally. Naturally. Yes. So I pick up the ball and I throw it to naturally. No, no, no. <laughs> you throw the ball to first base, then who gets it? Naturally. That's right. Now we're talking. <laughs> so I pick up the ball and I throw it to naturally. You don't. I throw it to who? Naturally. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> You're not saying it that way. I said I throw the ball to naturally. You don't. You throw the ball to who? Naturally. Well, say that. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I throw the ball to who? Naturally. Ask me. You throw the ball to who? Naturally. That's Same as you. <laughs> I throw the ball to first base, then who gets it? Naturally. Who has it? Naturally. He better have it. Right. <laughs> now, that's it. Now, I throw the ball naturally. Whoever it is drops the ball, so the guy runs to second. Who picks up the ball and throws it to what? What throws it to, I don't know. I don't know, throws it back to tomorrow. Triple play. Yes. Another guy gets up and it's a long fly ball to be caught. Why? I don't know. He's on third, and I don't give a darn. <laughs> what was that? I said, I don't give a darn. Oh, that's our shortstop. It is. <laughs> I still get a kick out of those guys. That was some great stuff. 
All right, let me tell you a little bit more about the war. During the war, we had to scrimp on everything. We had ration stamps that only allowed us to buy a certain amount of food and gasoline every month, and you had to use those stamps. These items were rationed out to the population based on many factors, including the size of family, where the father worked, and things like that. Those of us who were not actually fighting in the war still did our part to support the troops. We bought war bonds, saved newspapers, tinfoil, strings, rags, and anything made of rubber. These were all taken to a central location for recycling. We also planted victory gardens so each family could supply their own vegetables. That way, the big farms could send their produce overseas to feed our boys in the military. For a long time, there was very little candy available and no bubblegum. I remember the day when Penny Bubblegum suddenly appeared at the local store. All the kids in the neighborhood ran to the store with their pennies. Kids were blowing bubbles all over the place. In those days, milk came in glass bottles. I remember the milkman brought milk to us twice a week. The night before he was scheduled to bring us fresh milk, my mother would place our empty bottles on the back porch. The next morning, the milkman would pick up the empty bottles and leave full ones. Once in a while, we would get chocolate milk for a treat, and that was great. The milkman wore a white uniform with a black bow tie similar to the uniform my brother wore at the service station. We didn't have a refrigerator, but we did have an ice box like I told you in the last chapter. The ice man came to deliver blocks of ice two or three times a week. The day after the first atomic bomb was dropped on Hiroshima in 1945, the headlines announcing the catastrophic event covered the entire front page of the newspaper. Everyone was talking about the A-bomb, how powerful and destructive it was. I heard several different versions of its size, ranging from as small as a radio to as large as a Sherman tank. Years later, I discovered that Mare Island played a major role in that bombing. The bomb was sent to the Pacific Theater in three separate parts. One of those parts was shipped from Mare Island. After the second atomic bomb was dropped on Nagasaki, the Japanese surrendered. Again, full-page headlines told the story. All of us kids celebrated by stomping on tin cans until they formed around our shoes. We then clomped around, making a loud, clanking sound, and yelled, We won the war! We won the war! <laughs> 